What's up, bros? That's right, it's the Boy Hike Podcast, coming to you live from Annie's office. Not Bill's basement. Uh, also, Purgatory Not Live. Uh, I'm broadcasting you Sans Bill. Sans Bill, even. However, you want to say it, we're Billless this week. Um, it's also my office. Oh, it's also Foley's office. The, the Foley Maloney Household Office broadcasting you. Without Bill, because Bill was uninvited from this week's boyhood. Yes. Uh, because I don't, uh, I don't care to hear Bill's thoughts on this. <laughs> That's right, I had instead my friend, Conley Smith, joins us this week. Hello. Um, we have a very important subject that is too important to include Bill on. Bless you, Bill, for, for, for you know, removing yourself from this scenario, for knowing the tensions that are Bill, high. It was Bill's, uh, suggestion. Bill is a kind and generous man, because here's the thing, this week we're going to talk about something very important to Conley and myself. Incredibly. Grim Fandango. Oh my god. The excellent game, Grim Fandango, which has newly been remastered by the friends at Double Fine Productions, of course, the folks, the studio, founded by Tim Schafer, the creator of Grim Fandango, so arguably retouched by the finest hands available. Uh, one could say so. One could. Mm, one could. Uh, so, yeah, we are very excited about it, and there was a part of me where I wanted to have Bill play it now for the first time, because I should say to back up a little bit, Conley and I have both played this game yes. many times before. Yes. Um, as we realized before the this podcast, Conley has played it many more times than I have. Yes. Um, I My background is that one of the first things I did online once I moved away from my Disney's Robin Hood fan community and my yeah. Redwall fan communities is I got in deep with the LucasArts fan community. Yeah, and I was, in fact, a contributor, though a very minor one, to Mix and Mojo. Oh, really? Yes. Oh my god, I never knew. Yeah, the preeminent yes. uh, LucasArts fan site of the time. Yeah, I was, see, you're like more hardcore than me. I was pretty, I just went to Mix and Mojo. I did not contribute. I pretty low level. Yeah. I got as far as contributing a little bit to the uh, to the full throttle fan site and like starting the shell of the dig site. Yes. Um, mostly I only did that because no one else wanted to, and then I realized halfway through that I didn't want to, so yeah. I stopped. Oh, okay. All right. So, well, uh, yeah. You're living the dream, <laughs> leaving a great legacy behind. I think so. Uh-huh. I, I'm the only person who, in the late '90s, early aughts, started a website and never finished it. Um, I'm yeah. the only person who ever I don't think those, anyone else ever did that. Uh, never yeah. before had one of those under construction gifts been seen. No. You know, <laughs> it's very mysterious. Mm-hmm. So I first I first played Grim Fandango when I was I guess thirteen. Um, what about you, my friends? What's your context with it? Uh, alright. Well, the reason that Grim Fandango was so important to me is it was, like, the first game that I ever loved. Yeah. And, like, really played. Yeah. Because my, my experience with games before that is, like, when I was really little, I played, you know, like, Reader Rabbit. Right. Math Blasters. Right. right. That kind of thing. But my parents didn't really want me to play games very much. Sure. So they didn't ever get me a console. I didn't have a Nintendo, like most kids. Mm-hmm. Um... And my kind of experience with games was, like, watching my dad play Doom. Yeah. Which I wasn't into that. Mm-hmm. Nothing again. I'm sure Doom is important right. to games. It has its place. Right. But it is. it, it was not my time. thing. Yeah. So, um, one day, my dad was given Tomb Raider as a gift, but it was not the one he wanted, so he brought it back to the store and traded it in for Grim Fandango. Really? Yes. So what you're telling me is that there's a parallel world yeah. where Conley instead got really into Tomb Raider. <laughs> Perhaps. Huh. Yeah. Fascinating. So, uh, he brought it, brought, well, actually, probably not, because mm. what he had, like, brought Grim Fandango home, or yeah. not Grim Fandango, he brought Tomb Raider home. Yeah. I was like, meh. Yeah. Like, I had no interest in that. Yeah. Some 
big boob lady right box Nothing. So maybe instead there's a right. parallel world where you got really into, like, LARPing or something sure, yeah, unrelated. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so he brought home Grim Fandango, and he never actually finished it. Like, mm-hmm. he only played part of it. But I, like, as soon as I saw the box, was, like, fascinated mm-hmm. and really wanted to play it. So I first played it when I was nine years old, mm-hmm. and uh, I was obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was the first game that, like, showed me what games can be. Yeah. And that they aren't all, like, Doom. Yeah. Or, like, Tomb Raider. Yeah. Like, you know, they. it was the first game that showed me, like, the potential for storytelling in games. And, like, the art and the music and the voice acting, like, everything in it was so great. Like, it, um, it, it, uh, yeah, it showed me what games can be. It was a fascinating world that felt fleshed out with people who felt fleshed out. Exactly. So, I mean, after that, you know, we got our, we got a PlayStation and played Mm -hmm. lots of, you know, Crash Bandicoot and Spyro and that kind of thing. But, like, all games from that point on were like, is it as good as Grim Fandango? (laughs) That became the bar. Right. All games are held to. Right. Because of the, the, um the interest that it generated in games as a medium for storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. See, for me, I had played a lot of adventure games before Grim Fandango. I had played, um, I had played Indiana Jones and Fate of Atlantis. I played Mm -hmm. Dig. I played the various and sundry monkey islands Mm -hmm. and I had played Full Throttle Mm -hmm. and Full Throttle was arguably that That game for for me because these other games I enjoyed, but Full Throttle was the first one where there was a, it was a world and like I played Day of the Tentacle and things like that, but Full Throttle was the one where I'm like, this world is really interesting to me and I want to know more about it and I feel like I could know more about it. So like Tim Schafer, he just, that's one of the reasons why to this day he has my axe because like he's done this again and again and every time I've played a Tim Schafer game, I feel some degree of yeah. that. Yeah, and of course, you know, I went back and played through all the other, right. you know, a bunch of the other LucasArts adventure games, so I, w- I went back in time and played through them, Sure, but, you know, Grim Fandango was the first for me, Yeah, very special place in my heart, Yeah, and it's just, it's so good, Yeah, it's so good, like, everything about it, yeah. the, I mean, you know, one can argue that perhaps the controls are not... That great, but I didn't right. know anything else. Tank so controls. Well, tank controls are one of those things where yeah. it was the option. Like I was right. fully just out of curiosity. Fully never played this game yeah. before, so I switched them to tank controls uh, mm-hmm. during one sequence in particular, where arguably it's a little easier using tank controls. Yeah. And fully held the controller and was like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the. What is happening? Yeah. And, you know, it's totally understandable because it's, right. you know, you've learned a certain vernacular of gaming. Right. And it's hard to just suddenly switch to another language. Exactly, exactly. I so, totally understand. So, someone can make that, but, like, the the art direction yeah. and the music that and music. the story and the characters and the voice acting, like, everything about that game yeah. is fantastic. It still resonates to this day. Mm-hmm. Like, it ages... You know, it, it, games don't age well, in yeah. general. You could argue that maybe some 2D games age better because we see that kind of aesthetic as, to some degree, retro. Sure. And usually the controls are simplistic enough that yeah. you don't have to fuss with cameras or anything, yeah. that it's it's acceptable. Grim Fandango, um, since you don't control the camera to begin with, mm-hmm. I think it ages pretty darn well. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because, like, the, the art style was crafted to fit within the restrictions. Absolutely. Of their, like, of... Of the visuals of the time, like because characters looked all blocky and stuff, right? Like with Lara Croft and Tomb Raider at that time, yeah. it's stupid looking to look back at it now because she's yeah. a big 
block lady with giant yeah. blocky polygon hips. <laughs> right. But that's it makes sense. my band. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense to have like these characters that are meant to look like skeletons exactly. and stylized skeletons. Well, they're meant to, to look with. like like paper doll. Exactly. Type, like the like the skeleton doll things. Like they're mm-hmm. meant to have that blocky look. So it still looks good. Absolutely. They were meant to look that way. And, like, the yeah. animation is still so funny. Yeah. Like, there's a little bit where uh, Manny, Manny Calavera, a protagonist, as a Grim Reaper, uh, can pull out his scythe, and his scythe has, like, a switchblade action. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, the motion of him pulling it out paired with the sound of it just still makes me laugh, even today. Yeah. And some of Gladys's little bits oh, yeah. are just fucking hilarious. So good. So good. <sighs> anyway, it's fantastic. And I know kind of, well, you were saying that you kind of wish that Bill playing it for the first time? Well, he is. He is. He's never played it before. Okay, yes. But I know that the thing is, is that recently, uh, friends of the podcast will know that uh, this year, a game came, or I guess last year, a game called Valiant Hearts came out. Yes. And it is a puzzle game in the the sort of adventure game tradition, but it had pretty accessible puzzles. Like, there was not... There was only maybe one puzzle in the whole game where I had to look up a hint. Sure. I'd say, like, Broken Age had pretty accessible puzzles. Exactly. Yeah. Old school adventure games were designed to really be chewed on. Right. They weren't designed to be blown right. through. Right. You're, you are meant to take your time with them. Like, exactly. we were kind of talking about this before. Like, the first time I played Grim Fandango, it took me weeks. It took me a couple of months. Yeah, because you're not supposed to just blast through the game. Like, yeah. you're supposed to, like, really look around, talk to everyone, look at everything, take your time. And then if you get stumped, like, stop, mm-hmm. think about it, come mm-hmm. back to it. Like, it's, it's meant to be kind of like a slow paced thing that you yeah. take your time to complete the game rather than like blast through it in a couple Absolutely. days. So. And that, that's, it's kind of interesting because games don't exist like that anymore. Yeah. Like there is an idea of a game like, we, we value games in terms of the hours they take to play, yes. but not in that way. Right. It's not hours they take to contemplate a puzzle in order yeah, to advance. Yeah, yeah. And you could almost argue that maybe to a, a modern aesthetic that's kind of unacceptable, like to some degree. Like, uh, sure, people have short attention spans and stuff yeah. these days, but I think there's still a place for that. And oh, just absolutely. like there was then, like, I mean, kids had short attention spans back then, too. Oh, yeah. It was just finding the right kind of kid. Guy was a weird kid who liked reading books and sitting alone <laughs> in my room and, like, crafting worlds. Sure. And that kind of thing. I'm not, like, I'm sure, like, my neighbor kid who's, right. like, running around throwing dirt at people, like, isn't right. going to want to sit down and, like, puzzle out this noir story. Oh, I sure. I really so, miss throwing dirt at people. I know, right? <laughs> well, here, okay, <laughs> I should say this. It's not the people, I feel like, attention spans are any different than they were before. Yeah. I feel almost like the degree, the number of games that you have available to you are now limitless. And nowadays, it's harder to, to allow yourself to be stuck on a game. Sure. Like, for example, the comparison I keep thinking of is The Cave. Yeah. So The Cave came out a couple of years ago. It was a double fine game that was written, and it was the, the brainchild of Ron Gilbert, who was an old school adventure game dude at LucasArts back in the day. Uh, he created the Scum uh, engine, which is literally the engine on which all the LucasArts game ran. And um, he created a lot of ways, I should say he shaped the language and how it was used in LucasArts. Well, The Cave, I was so, it's all puzzles. It's all yes. wall-to-wall puzzles. I fucking hated that game. I get, well, the thing is that, like, the thing that makes Grim Fandango great, many yeah. of those LucasArts games, is not, like, just puzzles, but, like, yeah. the story and the characters. Well, see, that's what I was going to say. Like, you, especially with something like Grim Fandango, like... 
you solve it by talking to everyone and learning more about the world right. and like looking at everything. And with something like the cave, like I guess there was kind of like story that you discover, but it's not something that really like grabbed you and made you emotionally invested or any of that kind of thing. It's just like just puzzles and not even the same kind of puzzles. Mm-hmm. Like no. Like Flipping switches in the world. Exactly. The thing about the cave is that all the cave had for emotional investment is that during some parts of the game, you could find essentially parts of panels of comic that would show backstory of the characters. The art was cool. The art was fantastic. And that was the best part of the game. But that was the only emotional attachment to it. Yeah. So all I had were these bullshit puzzles that drove me crazy. And Ron Gilbert wrote this essay where he's like, well, it's not a game you're supposed to be able to play in a week. You should stop and walk away and think about it and chew on it and come back to it. And the no, whole time, the, like when I was a kid and playing Grim Fandango, the reason that I would want to stop and chew about it is I'd be thinking like, what happens next in the story? Exactly. Oh my god, what is going on? That's the carrot. Why did she throw that bottle in my head? Exactly. What is happening? Yeah. Like, so like that, not like. Puzzles for puzzles. What sake. is the, the the like weight that I need to put over here exactly. to make this switch flip? And like, yeah. like so. The point of an adventure game is not the puzzle, right? It's not. It, the puzzle is just. It's. It's. You could argue that t- to us, it's like I was um, someone on Twitter because I was posting the um, the universal hint system, which is what I used back in 1998. Uh-huh. Because the universal hint system was a thing where you used to download it, it was like a help file. You could click into degrees of clues as opposed to just a transparent walkthrough and I would argue that that's the better way to go and I immediately had someone in my mentions show up and say actually that's not what you're supposed to do you're supposed to take a step back and think about it invite a friend over and have them look at it and talk about it or you play it how you want well that's the thing (laughs) I was like and what I I got made me so mad because it reminded me of Ron Gilbert and at the end of the day I was like fuck you to me that is like saying well Bioshock is about the shooting and if you don't shoot right then you're doing it wrong somewhere Ron Gilbert is gonna listen to this podcast and you're just gonna be crying (laughs) here's the thing he's gonna be like crying along his house and he has already raped Ron Gilbert over the cold. Yeah, I've been addicted yeah. to him on this podcast before. A and B, my worst boy howdy nightmares already happened because in one episode we we're talking kind of harshly on Amy Hennig on Uncharted Three was the episode of Boy Howdy that Amy Hennig somehow listened to. Yeah. <laughs> so my worst nightmare has come <laughs> through true yeah. already. Uh, and frankly, fuck Ron Gilbert. So <laughs> I feel no qualms about it. But no, uh, the the fact of the matter is that I love, I, I do enjoy puzzle solving, and I find it very emotionally satisfying to figure out yeah. a puzzle. But at the end of the day, I don't care that much about ruining no, the integrity you have of the puzzle. No, you have to have a reason that you want to solve the puzzle. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There has to be some, some that's, I'm, Yeah. And yeah, at the end of the day, it, Grim Fandango does an excellent job of giving you those reasons. Yes. And it's that emotional investment. Exactly. You know? And, and then, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, we were just talking about how, like, how obtuse adventure game puzzles can sometimes be. Yeah. But I feel like with Grim Fandango in particular, while some of them are very difficult, mm-hmm. like, in comparison to a lot of adventure games, they're relatively sensible. Mm-hmm. Like, like, there are very few... That you look at yeah. and are like, that doesn't make any sense, and I don't understand why that happened. Right. Um, I, would I would say the worst puzzles are in the petrified forest. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty rough. All three of the puzzles in the Petrified Forest suck. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think the sign of a bad puzzle yeah. is if once you've completed it, you look at it and you go, how the fuck was I supposed to figure that yeah. out, you know? Yeah, yeah. And Grim Fandango has very few of those, and yeah. I think you're right, it is yeah. mostly the Petrified Forest. Yeah. Which unfortunately <laughs> like, is near the beginning of the game, I know. so... Well, and, you yeah. know, that's why... And so when Conley came over, I was finishing the game in preparation for this podcast, and it made me realize that while I've gotten about halfway to three quarters through the game a lot of times i've only seen the ending a couple of times Mm -hmm. and i think it's because i've gotten to a point where i got stuck in a puzzle and was just like whatever and got distracted by something (laughs) you know i realized i showed fully full throttle this summer and it was the same thing that happened i'm like Mm -hmm. i got three quarters way through this game and then never finished it a lot of times Uh uh you know that happens with games you love is that you play, you get to know the opening of them very well. Yeah. And then when you want to go back and revisit them, sometimes you get fatigued by the opening because you're like, oh, this again. Yes. God. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, can I just skip to halfway through and I pick know. up where I was? I just want to be in Rubicaba right now. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Though, man, I will say, I love Rubicaba as an environment. But running around Rubicaba, I understand that the journey is part of the experience. There's a part where Foley was like, isn't there a map? You can use like, the navigate. Where, where are we? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that the first time I played it, I had a hard time finding Manny's Cafe again. Oh. And I remembered very vividly that frustration. Like, yeah. where the fuck is Manny's Cafe? And like, oh, of course, let's just go up the elevator and to the left. Yeah. Of course. There's two sets of stairs. Oh, I got so frustrated. I was like, where the hell is it? That is like, that's the one thing that I'm not always a fan of adventure games, Mm -hmm. where it's like, there are maybe eight screens scattered Mm -hmm. across the map, and you've missed one thing in one of the screens. Mm -hmm. That's never the most fun experience. Yes. But at the end of the day, it's a world that I love being in so much, and it's a world that's so rich, and all the environments are so rich. Yeah. It is a total pleasure. Yeah. I, I pleasure. like, missed something in one of the screens when mm-hmm. I was playing through with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And then went to, like, I, like, I remember how to do all the puzzles. Right. So I was like, okay, now we need to take this item. Like, I forgot to pick it up. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so disappointed in myself. Like, I forgot it was even there. I didn't look around thoroughly enough. Yeah. So, yeah, it can, it can kind of suck just to have to, like, run back and... Um, yeah, just making so. your way through the world is not always as fun as it yeah. could be. Although I, I do love running around in Rubicaba. Yeah. Just because the environments look so cool. Absolutely. Like it's, it's so neat. And I love one of the things that LucasArts um, uh, uh, blazoned was the iMuse system where musical cues are basically segue seamlessly from screen to screen. Yes. And it's just so rich in Grim Fandango because the music is so fantastic. Yes. Like, I, as much as I've played the game, more than that, I've listened to the score yes. over and over again. It's one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. And it's just so moody and evocative. And the do, the music, the uh, uh, the trifecta of musicians, um, Peter McConnell, Clint Bajakin, and uh, Michael Land, who worked at Grim Fandango, or at at LucasArts always did phenomenal work but Grim Fandango I think is the best it's fantastic it's yeah, the best it's of incredible. any LucasArts score I, by far I found on the internet somewhere at the end of the 90s the Grim Fandango soundtrack mm-hmm. and have like carried it with me from computer to computer since <laughs> for however many years yeah since 1999 or yeah. whatever and uh Still have it, and I saw like a tweet recently, Tim saying, like, yeah. "We're not sure if we'll be able to re-release the soundtrack." Like, I want, I want to buy it legitimately. Yeah, yeah, please, yeah, Can I buy it legitimately. Well, the the part that I'm most excited about is the um, uh, for the remastered edition. They did, they went to the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, who did the score for. Um, 
who recorded performed the score for a Broken Age and re-recorded some key yeah, pieces. Yeah, we just listened to that over the credits. Oh my god, and it was like it was like hearing an old friend. Like, yeah, over the years, it they're was so they're good. playing the like blue casket bop. Like, yeah, they're it's different. They're freestyling. <laughs> they're actually freestyling. Oh my god. <laughs> It was incredible. It was so good, and it was so yeah. emotional. Like, yeah. oh. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. So, for everyone listening, play Grand Fandango, but understand what you're getting into. It is a slow-paced thinking game in which it rewards you for, like, exploring everything, talking to everyone, examining everything. <laughs> Cuddly is perhaps a little mad at me because she realized that I did not know which button was the examine button. I was just using the use or pick up button on, on everything. everything. So I missed a lot of Manny's commentary on, let's say, four-fifths of the game. How could you? I <laughs> was not educated early enough. They not made yet. that button clear in the in the inventory system, but they don't make it clear in the rest they of the game. They didn't if you go look at the controls. I don't look at the controls. I'm playing a game. <laughs> I'm not reading a manual. I know how to play group and radio. Readings for suckers. That's right. I don't yeah. keep the captions on. Um, but no, it's just, it's a beautiful, wonderful game. And the world is just so unique. And one of the things, especially since we were talking about Dragon Age, uh, we've been talking about Dragon Age a lot recently, I mentioned that one of my favorite things about Dragon Age 2 is that you're seeing characters and a place over time. And mm-hmm. you're seeing those characters change and those places yes. change and how rare that is in games. Right. And Grim Fandango is one of those few instances where you yeah. get to experience that. So good. And it's just so... Yeah. Satisfying and fun to revisit yeah. these places and see Find what's old different. characters again. Exactly, yeah. and it's it's just little touches, but it's so meaningful mm-hmm. and just such a light hand that's so satisfying. Yes, and uh, yeah, it's just it's an old game that's that's still got that that shine on the apple, you know. <sighs> Shucks, <laughs> <laughs> Willikers, yeah. So yeah, um, uh, calmly cover yours for a second. So yeah, if you get stuck on Grimfandango, just look up a fucking walkthrough. Oh my god. There are some puzzles that are a little, Conley, don't listen, a little, not necessarily, you're going to be your first instinct, I'll say generously. You're a little obtuse. But I would just recommend, like I said, the Universal Hint System was a friend of mine in 1998, and it's a friend of yours now. It is a more gentle hint system, where they'll have, like, basically, maybe, to solve a puzzle, you'll have seven tiers of hints, and you can dig down a little deeper, and it'll just say, oh, did you look at this thing? Did you talk to this person? And kind of gently push you in a certain direction. You know, I've been playing with Jimmy as, as, uh telling Annie before, Jimmy's never played it before. Mm-hmm. So um, we've reached a compromise where both of us are involved and neither of us gets frustrated. Wherein I, I'm driving. Right. So I'm like making Manny move around. Right. And when we get to a room, I will do all the like picking everything up, talking mm-hmm. to people, exhausting all the dialogue. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy tells me where to go and how to try and solve the puzzles. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy goes to try and solve all the puzzles mm-hmm. with the pieces that I've gathered. And uh, I don't get mad watching <laughs> someone just, like, run in the wrong direction. Right. And, like, try and do the wrong thing over and over and over again. Absolutely. So, um, playing with Jimmy, he's really good at it. Yeah. It's awesome. He's a great adventure game playing companion. Yeah. Uh, there was only one or two things that he got, like, a little stuck on. Um, he figured out pretty easily, like, um, uh, spoilers, puzzle spoilers. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be vague. 
he figured out pretty easily how to knock out Naranja, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then he couldn't figure out how to convince Velasco that he wouldn't be there. Right, right. Um, but he figured it out with not too much, like, mm-hmm. hinting or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. He's done really well. Yeah. Um, we're at the end of year two right now. We just started year three, because I have to wait for him to be available to play. And sure. He's, like, working on a project, but mm-hmm. it's been really fun. He's doing really good at it. Well, I'm excellent. proud. I'm proud. Yeah. <laughs> See, Foley yeah. is actually a really good puzzle solver. Mm-hmm. Like, I when we when I replayed uh, Full Throttle with her, and when we played Valiant Hearts, and even to some degree The Cave... I would do the same thing where I would drive and she would deduce what to do next. And she is excellent at puzzles. I'm mm-hmm. so proud of her. Frankly, she is more thoughtful and um, present than I am in puzzle games. But this time out, she just quite wasn't... Um, I was mostly playing and she was kind of tuning in and out as the character stuff happens. I know, Kylie, I know. But um, she... Uh, there were a few moments though. she was like, I gotta do that. Are you trying to me? And it just was, I was thinking about it where these puzzles aren't that difficult for an adventure game. Mm-hmm. They're not. But it's fascinating how tastes change mm-hmm. and how kind of patience changes. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot about, about that a lot with me. I used to play a lot of JRPGs. Yes. I could not replay any of those JRPGs now if you made me mm-hmm. because of the pace. Mm-hmm. The pacing is just too often. I just hate all the grinding. Yeah. It's never been my thing. And even then, like, sometimes the narrative pacing is a little yeah. too slow for me. And um, I think about that, that, you know, it, there is something to be said for as times change and people get used to status quo like the old status quo isn't is less accessible mm-hmm. like i keep thinking of um the telltale model sure where telltale was established by a bunch of lucasarts alums and they started making these adventure games where they pretty much stripped all the puzzles out of them mm-hmm. and all there was left were the dialogue mm-hmm. and just interacting with characters and in fact in all of the walking dead season one i think there's only like one puzzle. Yeah. Like, inventory puzzle, and it's a really simple one yeah. on the train. Like, that's the only time in the whole game yeah. where you really have to interact with the environment to advance in any meaningful way. And uh, it's interesting, because it's just a very different perspective and a very different approach to gaming. I don't think it's better. No. Because it's, it's, you definitely get through it faster. Like, there's nothing to stop you. Yeah. It's just, the, the only thing that slows you down are emotional beats, as opposed to any sort of, like, puzzling through it elements. Yeah. There's no sense of afterwards, like, hanging out with a friend and like, oh, man, and with that one thing, and you have to do the thing together. Yeah, There's yeah. no sense of that satisfaction sure. going through it. It's just the emotional element. Sorry if I look distant. I'm, That's pie- okay. I'm piecing a thought together. That's okay. Yeah. You're allowed. That's why I keep rattling. Yeah. So that you can get it together, <laughs> yeah, yeah. my friend. I was just kind of thinking about it and thinking about, um, like, the, the difficulty mm-hmm. of Grim Fandango mm-hmm. uh, or other old adventure games and how people glorify difficult games. Yeah. And like, oh, games used to be harder. Right. And like, they glorify these difficult games and are for something that, like, Dark Souls that comes yeah. out or something. Like, oh, yeah, hard game and actual right. challenge again. But not when it's having to use your brain. Yeah. Like, yeah. I I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of, like, trying to piece together this, this thought in my head. I can and, understand And, that. like, I think that's what makes me mad. Mm-hmm. is, like, people glorify these old, difficult games, mm-hmm. but not if it's, like, a thinking game. Yeah. Or a game that, not to 
not to get weird about it. Yeah. A game that maybe more girls would be into. Yeah. That kind of, I know a lot of women who liked adventure games. My mom yeah. played adventure games. Yeah. And, yeah. like, she didn't like any other kinds of games. Yeah. Like, if it's that, then, oh, no one's into that. Right. Well, like, it's not, it's not considered, it's not considered a challenge. It's yeah. just impossible. Yeah. So that puzzle's impossible. It's too obtuse. As opposed to, like, there's some sort of technical challenge. Sure. Where it's like, oh, no, you just need a skill, right? Yeah. And it's just like, that's a language that I know, and it's intuitive to me, therefore it's not, it's difficult, yeah. but it's challenging. Right. And yeah. I, I think it's that kind of, like, double standard that makes me mad. I can understand When that. I hear people talking about, like, no one would want to play a game like that anymore because it's yeah. hard. It's like, fuck you. You talk about how much you want hard games all the time. This yeah. is just, this is a different kind of game. Yeah. Like, there's room for all different kinds of games. Yeah. And you can have your Dark Souls, and I think there's plenty of room for, like, classic-style adventure games, too. Absolutely. Like, it's just a different genre. Yeah. And I think there's room for all of it out there. So when yeah. I hear people say this, like, oh, it's too hard, it's too difficult, no one wants to play that these days, like, tastes are too different, like, it makes me mad. Yeah. And I'm having a hard time kind of piecing together why, but yeah. I think that's kind of, like, part of it. Absolutely. like, this... I don't know. I, I don't know, man. That. No, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I have to be terribly frank with you. There was a part of me last night where I was playing Grim Fandango, and I was suddenly thinking, you know what? I would really like a Grim Fandango too, but I would kind of want it to be more like a Telltale game than than like uh, than like a more traditional adventure game. How did you feel about the puzzle difficulty in Broken Age when it came out then? Uh, to be honest with you, I talked about this in the podcast. Did not like Broken Age at right. all. Yeah. And therefore, the puzzles, I didn't feel any emotional attachment to them. Sure. So, anytime I hit a wall, and I can't, to be honest with you, I can't even fucking remember any of the puzzles. Because mm-hmm. I just didn't give a shit. My big issue with Broken Age was that, whereas Full Throttle and Grim Fandango and Psychonauts felt like really cool worlds. Yeah. That we've talked about this. Yeah. The... That Broken Age was just like a bunch of ideas thrown together. I'm wearing a Broken Age shirt right now. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm wearing the shirt. Sure. But I completely agree with you. Yeah. Like, I liked it. I and, still enjoyed and it. The, the art was beautiful. Yeah. Was the design was great. The music but, was great. But the problem with it was, like, it didn't have a cohesive world feel. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel stakes. Yeah. Any stakes. Yeah. Like, it felt like a bunch of randomly thrown together ideas mm-hmm. for the world. Yep. Um, I'm I'm hoping that, you know, part two is good, but I, I brought up the puzzle difficulty because the, the puzzles in Broken Age, I flew through that in a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't remember having any puzzle, any difficulty one way or another, but like I said, I genuinely was so little invested, I can't remember much. I just, I, it, it seems like with um, adventure games, like, people are going to complain either way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a place for everything. Some people like easier puzzles. Sure. Some people want a lot of hints. Sure. But, um, like, I I like the difficult puzzles, sure. but I have to stop and think about the I days. can understand that. And I will recuse myself yeah. a little bit, yeah. where I say it's pretty clear from my, com- like, from this conversation that I could give two shits about the puzzles. Like, yes. I really enjoy puzzles. Yes. And I like puzzles that when I solve them, like, that's fine. I don't enjoy the act of being stuck. Sure. I don't enjoy, you know, fussing through a puzzle for more than, like... An hour. I really don't. At that point, I'm like, this isn't fun anymore for me. Oh, and we were talking about this before. Maybe Mm -hmm. you're a different type of puzzle person. Because (laughs) I hate 
physical puzzles sure. or anything that involves putting like pieces together physically. Yeah. And you love like Legos and mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. This is true. I like looking at them. Yeah, I have I, no problem with like I mechanical. Can, right. I can puzzles. sit there and think about yeah. a mental puzzle yeah. forever. Just yeah. like I used to be in like some kind of group in school that did these like crazy like brain puzzle things where mm-hmm. we would like sit in a group for like an hour and like yeah. try and piece together this this mental puzzle. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> I hate physical puzzles. Yeah. I just got mad before the podcast trying to put a Lego hair onto a Lego body <laughs> because I couldn't put it together yeah. instantly. Yeah. And I was I was just immediately angry. Yeah. I if someone gives me like a thousand piece puzzle, mm-hmm. I will try to put together for about two minutes and then just want to flip the table and yeah. leave. Yeah. So I think it's just different ways of Absolutely. thinking. Like yeah. everyone's got different things that they like yeah games out there for everybody that's right we're all welcome at this table yeah but no i was thinking about i played a lot of adventure games i played a lot of the sierra games all the lucasarts games i played things like i loved the broken sword games and like weird things like inherit the earth Mm -hmm. and like i had no mouth but i must scream and like all that stuff but i think the thing is that one of the reasons why i found adventure games so accessible is that there is much less of a language barrier like an interaction language barrier like with a shooter if you're not good at the act of shooting yeah you're pretty much fucked yeah with an rpg to some degree you have to learn to think like the rpg wants you to think or you're fucked yeah adventure games were the first games that i could really play and beat on my own merits because at the end of the day a puzzle is a puzzle yeah. And you, at worst case scenario, you get hints for the puzzle. I know. But you're yeah. not going to get stuck right. at and, any and point. And you, you can always look up hints. Yeah. Like that. Like, it's, it's fine. Like I'm not no... going to lie. When I was playing it for the first time in 1998 or whatever. Yeah. Definitely looked up a couple hints. Yeah. Particularly for stupid Petrified Forest. Yeah, the Petrified Forest. That <laughs> damn sign puzzle. Yes. That's one where I was stuck on a yeah. fucking week. Unacceptable. And the stupid, like, shaking the tree apart thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's no. pretty rough. Yeah. Pretty rough. Petrified and even then, like, there's yeah. a... There, yeah, there, so there, there are, like, let's say four puzzles in the Petrified Forest. Yeah. There's... You have to get a tree to teeter off balance. Yeah. So that you can use its uh, uh, springs of shocks. Yeah. Which can be not necessarily intuitive yeah there's uh yeah a sign you have to plant because it'll point at the exit yes and that's not as intuitive as it might be and yeah. honestly it's even harder now that it's yeah. all high res because yeah. you're pick it's your pit you're very like the camera is really pulled back yeah. and with your character anti-alias it's hard to see where you are yeah and especially with like shadows and things like that yeah there's a there's a puzzle with the dam, which is the is the least obtuse of them. All. It's it's a, it's the least the obtuse, is but weird. it's just yeah, it's just like long. Yeah, to go through. it's, it's a tedious. Pain. You have to like do like three of the beavers. Yeah, like yeah. The, the puzzle that really made me mad is the fucking spider puzzle. Well, you hate spiders. Well, I hate spiders, but even beyond that, yeah. it's like okay, so there's a there's a spider web that Glottis, your best bro's heart, is in. Mm-hmm. And you have to get the heart out of it. Yeah. So you, you try to get you get your scythe out, and you try to cut it out, but then a spider comes and repairs it. That you have to throw a bone on the, the spider web so that your scythe can grab the bone and pull it and use, like, a spring to fire it out of there. Sure. But the thing with that puzzle in particular... Yeah. Uh, you only have a couple items. This is true. So it's not that, like, you can... And once you've done it... Yeah. It's not like it's like, that makes zero sense. No, like, I still <laughs> think it makes zero sense. You have to make it so you can grab it and not just cut through. Uh, 
I will, I will, we will agree to disagree yeah. with my friend. I feel, I think that whole area is just like, I'm like, oh, oh my God. don't get me wrong. The like I just said, the Petrarch tour is basically the worst. Well, and also there's but. no, like, character moment there. Yeah, exactly. To, to get you through yeah. it, you know. Although the Eagles on Pogo Sticks is pretty good. That is pretty yeah, good. No, no, Gladys is great. Yeah, Any Gladys, scene with Gladys yeah, is fantastic. I'm really gl- great, grateful that playing this game fully has been like, so we're going to get a dog named Gladys, right? Yeah! Yes! <laughs> Gladys is a yes. great name for a Corey. Yes, it is. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting that I felt like adventure games were the first games I ever played where I felt welcome. Yeah. Whereas someone who didn't, wasn't really familiar with, with games and wasn't really familiar with how I should interact with them or interface with them. And I'm not a twitchy gamer. Like even when I played RPGs, I fucking cheated like hell. Yeah. Like when I played the Final Fantasies, I had my Game Shark plugged into my PS1 through PS2. You better believe it. And, like, even on consoles when I was playing Fallout, mm-hmm. yeah, I downloaded Cheaters. Because mm-hmm. those were games that would let me fail. Mm-hmm. And the thing about LucasArts is that they never had a fail-safe. Right. Like, there was never anything you could do to irrevocably fuck it I, up. I was playing Grim Fandango with Jimmy the other day, and even knowing that, like, after years of conditioning to, like, yeah. be able to fail, yeah. there was something where I was like, I wonder what will happen if I save this thing to this person. I better save my game first. Yeah. And I was like, wait. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the yeah. day, even the most obtuse puzzle, they yeah. want you to win. Yeah. They don't want to get in your way. They yeah. just want you to be able to get through it. Yeah. And that's such a different um, perspective for, as a, for like, kind of your relationship with the game. Yes. Where the game doesn't want you to fail. Yeah. And that's just, that was transformative for me. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, that was exact same for me. Like, I'd seen other games. I'd seen people play other games. I just mm-hmm. didn't have interest until this game came along. Yeah. But it, yeah, exactly. Exactly yeah. the same. And Grim Fandango was the one where all of a sudden, like, every single part of it was interesting and, and, and unique to me. Yeah. Like, with a Monkey Island, yeah, they're pirates. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, and yeah, you know, Skybridge is silly. Yeah. But, and not to say that Grim Fandango is not silly or it that the world is silly, super serious. But it can but get really dark. Shit gets dark. Yeah. The body count is intense in Grim yeah. Fandango. <laughs> that is a Grim Fandango yeah. way dance, my friend. Yeah. And uh, I loved it, because I was, a, as a wee person, I was intrigued by noir, but I didn't really have any sort of meaningful way to interact with it. I couldn't, I couldn't really get any noir movies or anything, so, but I'd always been drawn to it, so to have it in this game that I loved right. was just like, like, whipped cream on top of, you know, like yes. a sundae. It's like, it was my, <sighs> like, introduction to noir. Yeah. It was like, I got that and hadn't seen the movies. And yeah. then my mom was like, great, we're going to rent Casablanca. Yeah. Go That's the thing. You so play like, it, you're like, oh, yeah. this uniform is like the uniform in Casablanca. Or you're yeah. like, oh, this guy's like the dude in the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. And, like, you see all these things yeah, that exactly. are, you get kind of a backwards cultural literacy yeah. <laughs> in a weird way. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but yeah, that, I love the world of it. And one of the yeah. things that I really love liked in the remake is the game was originally designed to be played on CRT monitors so the aspect ratio is what is that 3 to 4 as opposed to widescreen so the way they um, remastered it for modern screens especially on the television is you have the option of either stretching it or you can have these borders on the sides. And why would you stretch it? Oh, right. Why would you stretch it? Yeah. But one thing I really liked is that they had they picked out patterns from the world to yeah, put in the borders. Yeah, and it's different in each of the years. In each yeah. year, yeah. So like the first year, it's the the trim on Manny's wallpaper in his office. Uh-huh. 
in the second year, I can't remember what it was. It's like an angular kind of pattern. Yeah. It's from. But I really liked, in the third year, uh, in uh, uh, Rubicava, um, you, uh, there's one of the, the bridges in the game have these skull motifs mm -hmm. that are the um, interface UI from Full Throttle. Yeah, yeah. And they picked up that element and put it in the trailer. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's my old friend. Yes. I know what this is. Yes. It was just really comforting and just like a nice, warm, you know, like. Yeah. So, so what I'm going to do. Yes. So I'm going to like go over to Bill's house. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to sit down. Right. And. Just play it for him. Yes. So yeah. So he doesn't get mad. Yes. So he can watch it. <laughs> really, and I think that's the best way right. to and handle then, it in this case. Uh, look at him and be like, don't you dare say a bad word about this game. <laughs> I'm going to be watching you. Don't <laughs> say judging. anything on Twitter. Right. <laughs> you love this experience and you're not going to tell me otherwise. And then back away slowly out of his house. That's right. All of y'all, yeah. all of you dear boy hottie friends who may be hearing our statements and think, oh, wow, maybe this game's the game for me, and then play it, remember that this is beloved to us, <laughs> that we love it more than anything, and view it in that context. Think warm thoughts of Conley and I, uh -huh. smiling with our whole yeah. hearts as things happen in the And game. if you get stuck, just look up a hint. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Mm -hmm. I don't judge you. I will okay. say, the fucking Tumblr's puzzle. Look that shit up on YouTube. Yes. That's fine. Yeah, look up the Tumblr puzzle and look up the Shaking the Tree Apart puzzle. Yeah. Those are the two puzzles yeah. where I'm like, fucking cheat. Yeah. Those damn tumblers. That got me caught that's, even that's, now. That's when I looked up when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, there are a few there are a few that are a little trickier. Yeah. But uh it's a really fun world to live in. The voice work is phenomenal, the music is phenomenal, and it's still beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's still absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that all they really did was upres the textures. Me too. Oh my god. And like Me work too. on the shadows because yep. one of the things that Bill said on this very podcast that made my sphincter tighten up. I was watching that and I remember typing at you guys <laughs> and being like, Bill, no. No, <laughs> Bill, no. Bill uh voice that he sure wishes they were remastered it fully and did a new art aesthetic entirely like for example maybe something that looks like Tearaway or something like that no. and it's just <laughs> the idea of it just makes me very uncomfortable because I really feel like it was made it's not like they were they developed it a very particular aesthetic style to deal with the limitations that they had yeah like you said earlier it was yeah. meant to look polygonal and blocking. Yeah, it's meant to look exactly as it looks. Yeah, and like changing that, it's not something like, for example, Tomb Raider. Yes. Where they would have done something different if they could. Yeah. Like, if you made this today, it would still look kind of blocky and polygonal and they would just use the textures to paint yeah. like the character, to fill the characters out. Yep. So it's just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very upsetting. Very upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> I've like stopped looking at stuff online. Like, I... Most of the reviews have been great. Yeah. But I read one or two that were like, yeah, so, like, uh, I had to, like, think about it. There were, like, puzzles. I had to stop and think yeah. about the puzzles. Yeah. And I just had to, like, shut my computer down. I'm like, that's the point, you <laughs> idiots! I understand that it is a very different sort of game. It's a yeah. sort of game that doesn't exist anymore, really, yeah. outside of, like, Germany. Yeah. And that it is a perspective Mm -hmm. that does not really exist in gaming anymore. We do not live in the, well, be patient and work through it, especially not when everybody has a stack of shame mm -hmm. of games they really need to be getting to next. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to say, give yourself some time to think through some puzzles, but that is ultimately, fuck Robin Gilbert, but that is what it is about. Yeah. Giving yourself a chance to think about it. Giving yourself a little nudge when you need it. There was, 
There was never a puzzle that came in the cave. That's the second time Ugh. that I've mispronounced the cave. That's fine, because you don't respect it. it. Yeah, fine. exactly. Was, <laughs> there was never a point in the cave where I just had to stop and sit back and think about one of the puzzles. Mm-hmm. None of the puzzles were difficult in that sense no. where I needed to like stop and think about it for a couple days. Yeah. They were all just like, is the game glitching out? Yeah. Or what's happening? Because I had something like a centimeter away from the spot that it was yeah. supposed to be or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck yeah. that shit. Yeah. It's really interesting because uh, to think about and finish G- G- Grim Fandango and then play what is today its uh, distant, distant grandchild, Life is Strange. Life is Strange came out this week, uh-huh. and I played it last night. Yeah. And it's really interesting because Life is Strange 100% doubles down on the um, Telltale model. Sure. Where there is no, There are no puzzles to speak of. Okay. It is just you interacting with the world around you. Okay. But what's interesting is that the whole point of the Telltale games is that you make a decision, and that's your decision, and you're stuck with it. And the whole time you're like, oh, I should have done X or Y. Yeah. Well, in Life is Strange, they took one of the more interesting mechanics in Remember Me. Remember Me is the first game by the same studio. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Remember Me had a memory remixing mechanic, where you would literally be in people's memories... And then fast-forwarding and rewinding through and basically scrubbing through and changing different points in order to manipulate their memories, Mm -hmm. in order to manipulate their feelings in a situation. So in Life is Strange, they take all the telltale-esque tension out of a scene because literally, after you make a decision, you can rewind and make the different one and then choose which of the two decisions to make. It's interesting. Honestly, I don't necessarily think it's bad because there's always a part of me that thinks it's bullshit where it's like, Really, Telltale, you want me to replay this entire game so that I can see through, like, the, the flimsy, quote-unquote, differences in yeah, here yeah. to see that really it's just, like, vague shades of gray? Yeah. In Telltale games, the it's more your perception yes. of your choices being impactful yes, than maybe than really the impact. Yeah. So Life is Strange is interesting in that they show you both possible instances and then with open eyes you get to choose which one is meaningful but whereas Grim Fandango can um, can have more difficult puzzles or as Colin would think maybe not difficult puzzles because the world is really charming and the characters are really meaningful Life is Strange has some of the worst writing I have experienced in the game mm. in a long time that's so disappointing it's really impressively I bad I wanted to Get it. I yeah. hoped it would be good. Yeah. It's an adventure game with yeah. a female protagonist. I know. It takes place in Oregon. I know! Well, yeah. you know, what people are comparing it to, like, when it was announced, like, oh, it's like on home. Because it's about queer girls in Oregon in the modern day. And I can, it, though, granted, of course, right. on home is not set in the modern day. But they're like a pseudo-contemporary yeah. thing. So the thing that's interesting about uh, Life is Strange is that it makes you appreciate Gone Home all the more. Yeah. In that the teen, the kind of the teen voice, if you will, yeah. the voice of the youths, yeah. was captured pretty damn well. Yeah. Whereas in Life is Strange, oh my god, you meet a lot of teens. They're all <laughs> oh, shallow. Oh, Yes. Oh, that's the worst. That is the worst. The Your former best friend. In this game is this girl named Chloe who's voiced by Ashley Birch oh, from yeah. Hey Ash, what you're playing? Yeah. And I'm a big fan of hers. Yeah. And like you first meet her in the game because you are so the context is I actually really want Bill to play this because yeah. Bill went to an arts high school. Okay. And I know he in particular is going to just fucking rip this game apart uh-huh. because you're a girl who's going to a seniors only arts high school and you're a photographer. And you're going there to study your photography and get out there in the world 
and you're in the bathroom and you see a butterfly flutter down and it's perched on the edge of a bucket. And like, this is a perfect moment. And you take a picture with your camera and then all of a sudden there's a sound and you turn around the corner and there's this crazy rich kid ranting and raving. And this girl, this punk girl, blue hair comes in and they start arguing and he pulls a gun on her. What? And she says <laughs> something along the lines of, if you shoot me, you'll be hella sorry. Oh my God. Hella. <laughs> Is like the most boner shriveling oh, thing oh. I have ever experienced in a game. Oh. Like the scene was already pretty bad, but yeah. then that really awkward Hella. That's so unfortunate. Oh, it's the worst, the worst. And then like she does fine, but the line delivery in parts of this game are just really, really bad. Yeah. Like there's one point, and now I can't remember the word. Because the, these are all kids at art school, right? Yeah. And they should be arty kids to some degree. Yeah. And they, like, there are jocks in this art school, yeah. of course. There's football jocks, because that only makes sense. Are they football artists? I don't fucking <laughs> know. Who knows what they do, why they're at this school? I have yeah. no idea. I'm like, are they, do they have a, a like, a, because like they imply it's a photography curriculum. Yeah. But... It's not really clear. I mean, there's only one photography teacher and there's a science teacher. Like, okay, well, of course they would have, you know, general studies yeah. and everything. But it's not really clear what anyone's relationship with art is except for you. You meet the popular okay. girl. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Okay, so you're, you, you take pictures with your Polaroid camera, right? And you are a retro selfie master. Oh, dear. Because your chosen language is the selfie. Oh, dear. You take selfies with this, with this Polaroid camera. Yes. And the number of times I use the word selfie and variations of selfie oh, in God. this game is just mortified. Oh, God. My favorite part is there's this one boy who the, the text heavily implies has a crush on you. And it turns out that he is really into graphic design. He doesn't like traditional rendering. He likes digital rendering. And he's like, yeah, I'd love to take some of your selfies and drop some sick graphics on oh, them. Oh, <laughs> Just embarrassing. It really... Like someone who was like 40, like took a handbook exactly. of team slang. Yes! <laughs> If you want to play yeah. a game where people, do, like, where, where the cool guy at school derogatively calls you a hipster, yeah. like, that that's the most fierce name, Foley's issue with this game was all the casual swearing. Uh-huh. There's there's casual swearing, but it's not like, like, the two games that I can think of were Gone Home yeah. and Left Behind. Yeah. Because Ellie swears and Left Behind, but it's like a little kid who's playing with language yeah. more than anything else, as opposed to just, like... An adult who thinks a teen is being, like, yes. harsh and yes. shit. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it's really bad. It, there's just no accepting it. And it also cracks me up because I feel like this and Heavy Rain are these two games that show that, uh, and I guess then um, Beyond Two Souls, are these games by French developers showing... Teen, like life of average Americans right. where they think the only way to make that interesting is to add a supernatural element Yes, because like just normal adults or normal teens aren't interesting enough. Right. It's just because you can rewind time. Like the character knows she can rewind time. It's mm-hmm. not you, the gamer, doing right. that. But it's just terrible. Yeah. She has a journal in the game. And like in Grim Fandango, if Manny had a journal I would be pouring over oh, that yeah, shit. Yeah. Like I, but I also think of like in, let's say, Uncharted. Total opposite end of the spectrum. Um, Drake is a journal, and as the game progresses, he sketches in it more, and he'll put in actual clues for gameplay, mm-hmm. but you love to go back and look through his journal yes. and see, like, yeah, the yeah. little things that he's done, yeah. as opposed to in this, there, when you start the game, you find her journal in her backpack, there's already 12 pages dense with text, with, like, all these 
edgy things oh, done to God. it and like mm-hmm. stickers that don't look like stickers and handwriting right. that is like all justified like it's clearly a font not yes. even trying to be anything else yeah. but it's in a handwriting font so oh okay. okay so it's the it's handwriting it's just the yeah. worst and what's really frustrating is the aesthetic of the game is kind of cool because they mm-hmm. tried to make it all look kind of painterly yeah. and it's especially clear in the textures of the world around you and when you are like highlighting an element to interact with it there's like this nice white Hot, like traced edge to it yeah. it's like highlighted by pencil yeah. and it's really cool yeah. but the game itself is just a turd just hella bad it's hella bad <laughs> totes <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's the worst but that game though e- theoretically that's what I want theoretically yeah. that's what I'm asking for is like I want more character yeah. and without the puzzles that sure. is a game that just proves that without any heart without any character without a world that you care about who the fuck cares what you're sure. doing? Yeah. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. Why do I care? Like, yeah. Uh, <sighs> oh, speaking as you were earlier, gone home. Yes. Uh, Jimmy and I went up to Seattle this last weekend. Mm-hmm. And we went uh, with our friend Jake to the Experience Music Project. So yes. We were having a special Star Wars costume exhibit. Nice. So we went and saw all the Star Wars costumes. Uh-huh. Had a cool fantasy thing. But they also had a thing going on right now of, like, indie game. Yeah. Thing. And so there's, like, a big room with just a bunch of games. That's great. And there was a tiny little girl just sitting there playing through Gone Home. <gasps> and it warmed my little heart oh my so much. God. And I was, like, watching her, I was like, this is the sweetest. And she was just, like, she had her big headphones on. Yeah. And sitting there playing through all the game. And I was like, I gotta take a picture for Carla. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, like, how creepy it was. <laughs> I was like, come on! <laughs> just photograph yeah. the little girl. <laughs> so, like, I'm that. just gonna sit here and take a cell phone picture of this little girl playing video games. And that's not gonna be weird at all. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I did it anyway, so I did not send it to Carla. <laughs> You're a good man. Yeah. You're a good man, Conley. But it was, like, the sweetest thing that's ever. That's adorable. Yeah, it was really cute. Yeah. See, I worry that if someone... I feel like, to some degree, with Life is Strange, I feel like if Grim Fandango fails, or if someone plays Grim Fandango and doesn't like it, they will, which, A, they're idiots, mm-hmm. B, they'll falsely blame it on the genre, mm-hmm. when I, and therefore just write it off. Yeah. They're like, well, I don't like adventure games, mm-hmm. because I didn't like this one, or it was too hard. Mm-hmm. Or, the writing in Life is Strange is really bad, so I'm not going to play, like, you know, Wolf Among Us, or, you know, Walking Dead, season one. <laughs> I know! It's <laughs> like this, well, I, mean, I, have, I mean, I, I don't, I, I'll play a shooter, yeah. I, I mean, I remember, I tried to play a shooter in my younger days, and I was like, this is garbage, I'm never going to play another shooter. Now, granted, I don't like shooters, still, to sure. this day, but there are shooters that I'm glad I played, yeah. you know? That, well, like, they're not, I don't love... Call of Duty, right? But there are games with shooting mm-hmm. that I like a lot. I loved Borderlands because it was fun. It was fun to play with Jimmy, and yeah. like it was just a, it was a good, good time. Yeah, this yeah. It's just uh, it's a genre that I yeah. want to continue to evolve. Yes, I think that um, the Telltale's like it's kind of interesting though that you have like Telltale and then the Cave. They're like these weird two polar. Like, complete opposites. Yeah. Uh, yeah, complete opposites, where one is just only the puzzles. Yeah. And one is only the, like, talking and story. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I like the in-between. I know! <laughs> I do, too. I have to admit. I, like, even as much as sometimes I get really frustrated by yeah. puzzles, I would much rather be pu- frustrated by a puzzle in a puzzle game than pretty much anything else. Yeah. You know? It's like, that I'd rather be frustrated in a shooter yeah. or frustrated in an RPG I'm trying to go back and play Mega Man fuck Mega Man the game's <laughs> way too hard 
Anyway. Like, like I said, at the end of the day, an adventure game, or a good adventure game, wants me to win. And that's so much more interesting to have a game that yeah. opens my hand. It's like, we could do this. Hand yeah, hand. exactly. Okay. Exactly. I will admit, I like the Telltale End of the Spectrum. I, I, I love the Telltale I kind games. of prefer it. Yeah, that's but, fair. Because everyone has different tastes in games. Wait, everyone hold on. No. play different things. No. <laughs> the internet has proven me over and over again. You're like one kind of game. Halo only. This is pretty dangerous. We're women having opinions about video games. We better that's wrap this true, up. That's true. That's true. So, friends, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to take uh, a trip down uh, the lane of the week that was. This is very awkward. We're going to do the Geek Week interview. Yeah, it's going to be great, because Bill's not here, and he wrote all this stuff. This will be very interesting, yep. so stay tuned, friends. wine and she make it surlier and surlier yeah. as the podcast goes on. Exactly. By the end of the podcast, I'm going to be screaming at everyone who's <laughs> been making bad, saying bad things about, about your babies. Right? Yeah. I'm going to like start. Yeah, exactly. You know what they are? Idiot babies. They are. Maybe they should use their brains <laughs> and actually um, try thinking. You know what? I hate to say it, but I think they're a bunch of fake geek guys. That's You're right. Down to. You're right. You know? You're right. Just saying. Uh, I was hardcore. I was there in 1998 <laughs> playing this. <laughs> they don't know what's what. And do you know how hard it was yeah. to look up hints online? It was I really hard. my mom off the phone. Exactly. Jeez. That awful dial-up internet. Yeah. Yeah. Woof. Woof. Awful. Yep. So, speaking of things you can't believe that make you mad, uh, last night I was looking up some dialogue on... Uh, YouTube for Dragon Age Inquisition. Yes. And because I was like, I have never heard Blackwall and Vivienne talk, and I wanted to hear what their conversations were like. Yes. And looking, 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 and said, it was really hard to find. And instead, of what I found were all of these scenes of various um, uh, members of your party leaving in a huff. Like punching Dorian, slapping Blackwall, like all this shit. And I'm just looking at this stuff. I'm like, no, these are my friends. Oh my god, no, worse. That's awful. Like it actually made me anxious to think about it. I was like, because you can not recruit Sarah. Uh, you can kick out Blackwall at any point. No, you don't have yeah. to recruit Blackwall. You can send Dorian packing. Why would you? You can do send that? the Yen packing. Uh, maybe. Like you can't. I was thinking about it. I think the only party members that you have to have at the end of the game are Cassandra, uh, Solus, and no, Varric. Can Varric leave? I think Varric can leave. I think Varric can leave after the stuff. Yeah, the things. The spoilery thing. Yeah. Hold on one moment. Can Varric leave Dragon Age Inquisition about Varric? Yeah, Varric will leave the interfiction. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, you yeah. leave a person in a place, yeah. spoilers redacted, yeah. Varric will leave. It's just crazy to think yeah. that you can get through that game without my friends. Yes. And that's how I think of it as my friends. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like people who, um, which is interesting because in Dragon Age 2, I totally think it's valid to rival people. Yeah. Which is interesting because they're they are still drawn to you and tied to you. Yeah. But they can hate you instead of yeah. loving you. And that somehow is more valid to me because they're still there. Yes. 
Like, you but, can hate like, fuck the, Fenris. Right. Which I think is, is better than love fucking Fenris. Yeah. Oh my god, really? my, my relationship with Fenris was so great. We didn't have a romantic relationship, <laughs> uh-huh. but I was a mage. Right, And he right. hates mages. <laughs> but somehow we became friends anyway. Yeah. Not the rivalry friendship. Right. But like friends friends? Right. But like friends Aww. friends beside himself. <laughs> so like he didn't want to, but we were friends. <sighs> and so by the end of the game, like, you know, I'm a mage and all that, so he leaves. Yeah. But he shows back up again, mm-hmm. like on the other side. Mm-hmm. And basically, all I do is just look at him. I'm like, Fenris, come on. And he basically here, just, like, like, hangs his head. He's like, okay. And, like, crumbles back <laughs> come over. Come here, buddy. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. It's so good. Oh, that's so yeah. good. Anyway, this is, believe it or not, the part of our podcast uh, where we do a little thing called the Geek Week Interview. That's right. This is the part of our podcast where Bill has written down the news in the week that was. And I am reading it oftentimes for the first time. So this will be particularly interesting because Bill is not here yes. to provide context for any of these <laughs> things. So, here we go. Uh, first off, rumor has it that Annie Maloney and Conley Smith are recording the secret first episode of Video Games as we speak. Fortunately, it's being recorded at a frequency that only women can hear. It's That's true. Interesting. Yeah, it's true. It's good. Huh. It's good that we're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> or else, yeah, it's when you hear that fake geek boy comment, we get in trouble. Yeah. Um, Bill asks, do games age worse than movies? Do dames age worse than movies? Do dames age worse than boobies? Now, these I'm going to say... The questions these are, are age. These are asking the tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God uh, for Bill Mudrick. But I'm going to say that um, dames do not age worse than movies. Mm-hmm. It depends on the dame and it depends on the movie. Sure. <laughs> we can right. only all hope to be hungry. Um, but do games age worse than movies? Potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because of te- technological limitations. Exactly. I um, think that it's it's like saying, like, does Casablanca hold up? Or even, sure. like, any given Western from the 40s. Right. Like, there's a pacing element, but at the end of the day, the basic language of movies sure. is consistent. Yeah. However, early CGI does not yeah, hold no, up. Because of technological Exactly. So, for the same yeah. thing, it's the same thing with games. Yeah. Where it's not just that the maybe the cadence is wrong or the pacing is wrong, it's that visually it looks wrong. Yeah. Which is, like, one of the reasons why Grim Fandango right. ages so well. I was going to say, despite yeah. being almost 20 years old, yeah. Jesus, uh, yeah. it still looks great. Yeah. Next. Yeah. <laughs> Next on our points. Oh, we're done. We're done with that conversation. <laughs> Dialogue over. Emma Watson has been cast as Belle in Disney's live-action version of Beauty and the Beast, which seems to be a straight-up remake of the animated version, since Watson says she'll be singing some of the songs from the 1991 film. In retrospect, it's kind of surprising Disney hasn't made a live-action version of one of their animated films before. Interesting. That is an intriguing proposition. So you know that this is not a Bill bullshit. No, this is a no, real thing. No, this is for realsies. Huh. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. In fact, that's more information than I knew about it. <laughs> I, I wonder how Emma you know. Watson's singing voice is, for one Hopefully thing. Hopefully good. And the other thing is, like, I feel like with Into the Woods, I heard a lot of people say that they left because it was a musical. And they're like, this is a lot of fucking singing. This is more singing than I expected, and walked out. I get mad about that. I know. <laughs> In the same way as I get mad about people who don't understand what adventure sure. games are. I would argue, let's say that you are sold on Bioshock as yeah. being an exploration of an underground city yeah. with, like, kind of this Anne Randian, like, deco influence, yes. uh-huh. fascinating exploration, and then you find out it's about shooting. Yeah. 
I feel that like it's was that. disappointing. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that's what it is for some people when they go see a movie, they don't necessarily know it's a musical. Maybe. And then they're like, or you they don't pay realize. even the slightest attention. <laughs> <laughs> and find out before that valid. it's a musical. Valid. I can't I can't argue with that. Yeah. But no, that's that's interesting. Because uh, there's like been rumors for a long time since like fucking like since the late '90s that like all musicals are about to come back. They're about yeah. to come back. They've been about to come back for over a decade sure. now, and this is just kind of an interesting way to go it because it's theoretically safe. Mm-hmm. It's safer than even something like say Into the Woods is because it's like it's a movie that's already performed. What is your favorite Disney movie besides Robin Hood? <laughs> Uh, my favorite Disney musical? Yes. Because I would not qualify Dis- Robin Hood as a musical. It no. is a movie with songs in. Sure. Well, I, but... I didn't say musical, but let's specify. What is your favorite Disney musical? I really like Cinderella. Really? I love Cinderella. I think there the music in it is just really kind of great and catchy in all the right ways and communicates character in the right ways and also just a beautiful movie. I also really do like, uh, I mean, Beauty and the Beast is a great musical. Mm-hmm. Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Lion King. So all of them, basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> no. Like, there are some that are big, wet farts. Like, right. uh, let's say, I'm one of the people in the world who's actually seen Home on the Range. Oh, dear. Yeah. Is that a musical? It is. Oh. Yeah. It's pretty rough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I do like musicals. And it's hard for me to say when it's something that I grew up on, it's hard for me to be objective about it yeah. at all. Because it's not like, oh, I heard that as an adult and I grew to appreciate sure. it. Like, you know. Because my favorite is Beating the Beast. Yeah. So this makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this. Yeah. Really, for me, yeah. I will say that Emma Watson is kind of a weird choice, I think. Yes. Because the whole point of Belle is that she's supposed to radiate with this warmth. Yeah. And, like, have just this kind of, compa- like, this charismatic compassion yeah. to her that you're just drawn to her and you want to melt around her. Right. And I like Emma Watson, but that's not Emma Watson. No, no. And yeah. granted, there's a thing called acting. Yeah. But to some degree, charisma is just what you have. Yes. I don't know who I would cast, really. Yeah. I mean, honestly, arguably, this is kind of random. I was about to say Emma Stone. Yeah. Emma Stone had, like, that good-humored compassion to her. Right, but also a little bit of saltiness that she can have. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if... I mean, I'll I'll go see it. Here's the thing that I'm most curious about. How are they going to handle the Beast? Yes. Yeah. Because Beast, man... Yes. Like, the Beast is one of the coolest parts about Beauty and the Beast. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Obviously, I am a, a long-standing Beastman enthusiast. Yeah. And Beast is really great. He's, He's a man. really great Beastman. He's just like... That even I, yeah. who am not a huge Beastman enthusiast, mm-hmm. I'm disappointed when he turns into the weird-looking... Like, okay, because he's a really weird looking. Really human. weird looking. <laughs> it's like he's like all fish lipped. <laughs> yeah, bad. Yeah. So but yeah, the beast. How they handle the beast is going to be the real question yeah, for me. For sure. Huh. I hope they do some weird sort of practical thing. To be honest with you, augmented with CGI. Yeah. Because that practical would definitely be better. And, and for yeah. no other reason than to have like a real connection between Emma Watson and another actor. Yeah. It's, I can't... It'll be interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm, um, 
not hopeful, uh, <laughs> considering, valid. like, Maleficent and, like, that stuff, yeah. Well, you know, at least Maleficent was genuinely trying to be a gritty reboot, or I should say a gritty origin story. Ugh. There was no singing of any songs from, from Sleeping Beauty and Maleficent, so... I... The reason Maleficent is great yeah. is because she's an evil bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and I also, don't need to know about she her. She is kind of mysterious and unknowable. Exactly. And, like, but you still have some degree of sympathy to her in that, like, she is ultimately She's badass. She's badass. She's badass. And you love Maleficent she's because cool. she's hardcore. Yeah. I don't need Maleficent's sob story past. Yeah. I just need to know that yeah. Maleficent uh, is going to summon all the powers of hell and turn into a dragon. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. I'm done. I'm sold. Exactly. You know who kind of liked the Maleficent movie? My mom. Hmm. Which kind of makes me want to see it. Yeah. Only because, you know, there are some things like, like, for example, the way that I encourage our listeners to think of us when playing Grim Fandango. Sure. There are some things that you enjoy more for knowing the context of another person in it. Right. So I would be curious to watch it with the view of what would, what and, does my and, mom and like there are things this? that I've heard about it. Yeah. That, like, you know, it shows a, like... A relationship between two women and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I'm mm-hmm. like, it's about them. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah. Not about Maleficent. <laughs> <laughs> a different movie about that. Yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah. Woof. All right. Moving on. Anita Sarkeesian is producing a complimentary series about masculinity in games and a miniseries about positive female, Bill Notes, female <laughs> role models in games. That's great. I think it's a smart move for That's her. That's great. It's yeah. kind of interesting because there's some degree of it where I'm like, do not engage, because yeah. those are the two common criticisms of uh, feminist frequency. Right. And it's something I've actually um, argued with Jimmy about before. Yeah, yeah. And Jimmy Jimmy agrees with me on, you know, about the, like, she makes good points mm-hmm. and, like, how mm-hmm. important her videos are. But Jimmy, um, I am a pessimist. Right. And Jimmy is an optimist. Right. And Jimmy is a very happy, cheerful person. Right. And Jimmy wants there to be sunshine and roses. <laughs> right. Uh, all over everything. in right. All the land. And so <laughs> Jimmy watches it and he's like, that's great. But why doesn't she talk about any good things? Sure. Because I want to hear happy stuff because sure. I don't want to be sad. <laughs> so, like, that... Jimmy basically needs picture-in-picture puppies. Right. While watching Exactly. These so that will be great for Jimmy <laughs> to have the happy stuff. Sure. To, to wash out the sad. Sure. But as I have told Jimmy many times, <laughs> there are many things that talk about what's great about games. Right. And that's not... The point, right? The, the, and, and 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 also, uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I, I feel like by saying these words, I'm gonna like summon the depths right. of the internet. But right. I don't care. I'm gonna log straight into it. Right. I like the her videos aren't saying like Red Dead Redemption is only about murdering prostitutes. Right. Like right. I love Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. But everything she says is accurate. Yes. It's not saying that's what this game is. Right. It's saying this exists in many games. Yeah. And through the fact that this exists in yeah. many games, it forms a broad pattern right. that can blah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. like, 
So that the point is to point that out, right? Not to make people feel good about themselves yeah. by being like, "But here's the good stuff." Yeah. So, so I think it's great that she's doing a separate series about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, and I think the thing is, is that it's important to there is a poisonous pattern of masculinity in games. Yes, oh, there absolutely. always has been, and it totally is worthwhile to look absolutely. at. Absolutely, I'm excited for that. I, I'm really intrigued, yeah. and honestly, I'm curious to see. Like, there are a lot of rad ladies in games that mm-hmm. I love and I'm excited about celebrating them but it's uh, it's less I think it's it's more vital in some ways to talk about how unwelcome games are for women right and the which backlash is, has been part of the exactly proof. which like yeah. I was saying like that's why I've I've argued this with Jimmy before yeah. to say like that's true, there are good things, but that's not the point of this series. The point is, to quote yeah. fully, to give a consciousness-rising slurpy headache. Yeah! Where it's like, yeah. oh, and now what can we do? Yeah, you know? And exactly. I, gra- I granted, I think that it's really important to have maybe a fat male character in a video game at some point. Yeah. You know? That'd be cool. It's like, one of the things that I was most excited about in Firewatch that's mm-hmm. coming out is when you see the character's hands for the first time. He's got, like, He's chubby got, hands. Yeah, stubby yeah. little fa- sausage fingers. Yeah. And I'm like, that's great. Yeah. It's nice to have a game where it's about a protagonist yeah. who's shaped more like me. Maybe someone who's not a, um, uh, semi-buff, uh, white dude Let's just say with it. short brown hair and perhaps some stubble. Let's just say it out loud. Not Nathan Drake. Yeah. <laughs> I love Nathan Drake. Yeah. I'm ready for less Nathan Drake. Yes. If I want Nathan Drake, I have him. He's called Nathan Drake. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. It's so maybe like some other stuff too. Really all I want is is more dialogue. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. We yep. talked about this in the podcast. Yep. Like more voices, more dialogue, and anything that leads to that is yep. awesome. So bully for her for taking the some criticism to her series mm-hmm. and turning it into something cool and good. Absolutely, and I'm like I'm happy that it's a separate video yeah. series. Yeah. And I'm happy that she's doing it. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. I'm particularly excited about the one about masculinity. Yeah, yeah. much more so than cool female characters, yeah. to be honest with you. Because I have my own little list of cool female characters. Yeah. But I have a blind spot for poisonous masculinity. You do. Because I am a person who's grown up in poisonous masculinity. Sometimes. It upsets me. <laughs> it's just like, a, it's like the air that I breathe is like this weird benevolent conception of masculinity that is can't really be removed from the poisonous parts of it, but in my brain they are. And I just watch quietly from the outside and go, Annie, why? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm really looking forward to that so I can identify, I can, you know, because I'm working through a lot of shit in my life and Mm -hmm. my relationship with masculinity is definitely one of them, so that'll Mm -hmm. be an interesting thing. Yeah, I'm really excited for that series. So, moving on, Bill notes, Joystick is dead. Twas said it was poisoned by a fair son of Denmark Hamlet. <laughs> Bill notes. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, no, sadly, uh, AOL did pull the plug on Joystick this week. What is that? It's a bummer. Joystick, the thing that I always liked about Joystick is that it had a sense of humor to mm-hmm. it. More so than any other news site. Yes. You know, at the time or since. Um, however, it was always, my perception was they were kind of the last ones to the party. Yes. Which is why I kind of stopped reading them. I've stopped reading anything. Yeah. To be I, honest with you, I kind of rely on Twitter. Yeah, nowadays. me too. It's like, whatever anybody's tweeting me, what I learn in Boy Howdy. Yeah. And, uh, uh, 
like yeah I'll, I'll go and check Polygon every once yeah. in a while to see like and like Rock Paper Shotgun I'll read yeah. but I more want to read their features yes. than I do any sort of news sure like I long 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 ago mm-hmm. I used to go to Kotaku sure. before they yeah. like got not <laughs> yeah yeah I stopped reading Kotaku about the time the um, second Arkham game came out, mm-hmm. and they posted a giant spoiler for the game in the headline. Oh, so that you saw it as you boo. were scrolling down through the page. And oh, I have bullshit. never gone to Kotaku again. So that's, that's pretty valid. Um, and then like sometimes uh, Polygon. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I don't know where I'm going. You know what I really miss? Mm-hmm. Um, ben Kutcher is a problematic dude. We'll just mm-hmm. say that generously. Yeah. There's everybody's favorite word, problematic. Mm-hmm. But when he did the Penny Arcade report, he had a feature called the Cut. Mm-hmm. Where he basically would link to the best of the best articles on other sites or articles that were fostering mm-hmm. interesting dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a neat way to get, like, some other things that I should be reading. Mm-hmm. I didn't really read the Penny Arcade Report, but I checked in on the cut every once in a while yeah. to just see what I missed. Yeah. I missed that sort of thing. Like, basically a curated approach. Yeah, totally. Where it's, like, something I can check in on weekly as opposed to I missed out like a day, yeah. so good luck. Right. Which is kind of Kotaku. Yes. Or on Polygon, well, maybe go back and it's the same head story that I saw a week ago. Yeah. But I wasn't interested in then. Yeah, exactly. And I can't get to whatever news I want to get exactly. to. Exactly. And I'll listen to the giant bombcast sometimes, but mm-hmm. I rarely agree with them. <laughs> like, I, I like listening to them because they're entertaining. Sure. But I rarely, like, agree with their opinions on games yeah. and stuff. So, I, I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Maybe a new, a new... Uh, gaming news website yeah. will spring up from the ashes yeah. and fulfill my every wish. We'll <laughs> I know, that's what I expected with Polygon. That didn't yeah. work out the way yeah. I wanted it to. But, you know, I, at the end of the day, really, what I like more than any gaming experience I've ever gotten from any website is just talking to people that I respect and admire about their opinions about games. Yeah. I would much rather disagree with you yeah. on a video game than yeah. I would read an article with someone sure. that I disagree with. Yeah, absolutely. Because then you're just, like, shaking your fists impotently at the sky. Right. And being like, how dare you say that? <laughs> well, I will the, say, yeah. it's not even just that it's, like, the one-sided nature of yeah. the, the relationship. It's genuinely that... I know who you are. Right. And I understand the context of you. Yeah. As opposed to some reviewer who maybe I've read their other reviews and maybe I've read their reporting, but I don't really know who they are as a person and where they're coming from in gaming. So it's hard for me to gauge their opinion right. in relationship to And own. if I'm physically sitting in the room talking about the game with you, you can easily reach over and start to strangle me. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I have to be more respectful of you because no. they're looking at my face, God, no. but no, this can, is true. You can just reach over and like slap me, right? I have all of these Legos. I can knock them on the floor and make you walk across <laughs> the floor. Know, right? And to get out, I'm going to have to step on them. <laughs> exactly. Side. Yeah. all my master plan. Exactly. Uh, uh, Bill goes on to note, Chris Pratt equals Indiana Jones. Bill thinks he'd make a better Nathan Drake, but who would we get to play Indiana Jones? Okay, first off, is this some kind of news, or is this people I'm talking sure about it? I'm sure it's a rumor. Bill sometimes posts things he saw on Twitter, or Neogaf. Uh, let's see. I'm sure it was just some sort of rumor that's, that's floating around. Said it's Walt Disney has set its sights on casting Chris Pratt as new Indiana Jones. Who knows what the source of this is? Anyway, people are talking about it as a maybe. Yeah. I love Chris Pratt. Yeah. He's not weary enough to be Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what the thing about Chris Pratt that is so charming is his um, uh, 
boyishness. Yes. That's the reason why he worked to some degree as Star-Lord. Absolutely. Um, uh, the re- part of the reason why I didn't like him as Star-Lord is that I bought him less as an adult man. And that, but um, but that's kind of purposeful, right? In that, like, he was taken when he was a baby, exactly. And never, not a baby, right? <laughs> no, when he's a wee uh, baby, the, uh, the um, when he was a prattling, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Baby is uh, metaphorical there, <laughs> right? I mean, he was taken when he was a kid and never really learned from adults how to grow up, right? So he has some some sort of like childishness. Still. But Chris Pratt is at his best when he's allowed to play with that aspect. Yeah. Like, that's why he's so good as Andy on Parks and Rec. Yes. It's because Andy is a human Labrador Retriever. Yes. And that's why he worked as Star-Lord, because he is, like, that's that Arrested Development aspect of exactly. things. Exactly. Indiana Jones needs to have, like, a savvy char- charisma Absolutely. to him. I love Chris Pratt. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Please send Chris Pratt to my house. Yeah. I will kiss him. <laughs> but. <laughs> so Foley will uh, show up at your door, kick it in, take Chris Pratt from you, right. throw it over her shoulder, and bring it to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm down with that fully. So, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can share. It's cool. Um, but uh, I love Indiana Jones. I love Chris Pratt. Chris mm-hmm. Pratt does not have the appropriate level of world weariness to be Indiana Jones. And the thing about um, uh, one of the reasons why we've struggled when Bill and I have talked about casting Nathan Drake mm-hmm. is that Nathan Drake is ultimately a goofball, but he is. He's the kind of dude where he goes up to you and he spins a tail mm-hmm. and he pitches you something and he's so charming that you're like, okay. That you're like, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Chris would, Pratt could never no. do that to me. No, absolutely not. I don't know who could. I, I was going to say, who would it be? I can't think of anyone. Like, there's ever. no one that pops to mind. It's like, there's got to be that, it's got to be a Harrison Ford-like person. Yeah. But even, whereas Harrison Ford has, like, that, that kind of weary uh-huh. sort of lonerness to him, Nathan Drake is all about his relationships. Yes. And he is ultimately a very charismatic dude mm-hmm. to an external degree. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. Let's take some of Harrison Ford's genetic material. Take some of Chris Pratt's genetic material. Yeah. Merge them yeah. into one. Maybe add something else. In yeah, I can't think of who right now. Right, we will. I was going to yeah, say Idris Elba. See, the thing about yeah is yeah. that he at least has that. Like, if he told me to do something, I'd say yes. Yeah. Beyond the idea that I want to jump on him like a, tam- a trampoline, mm-hmm. it's more that like he has that kind of steady like right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hand gesture. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, I, get it. I feel you. Yeah. So we're going to merge the three of them into one person. Sure. And, and then going to and deliver them, them to my bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We'll get young Harrison for Okay, good. Thank we'll you. We'll get the time Yeah. Again. Yeah. And then we will um, deliver. I mean, honestly, Nathan like Drake. a yeah. young Paul Newman would be Nathan Drake. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Bully's coming in here. I just want to point out that the Geek Week in Review has turned into you guys talking about abducting men. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens. Uh, if we talked about Daniel Craig, Bill would be on board too. Sure, he likes his butt. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. <sighs> so, anyway, yeah. I mean, but like a young Paul Newman. It's yeah. like that fully do not close the door. Oh, God, it's so warm. So, during the first part of the podcast, as we got very, as our opinions got very heated and our conversation got heated, the door was closed and the room got very warm. (laughs) So, know that this week's podcast is brought to you by the sweat of our brow more than anything else. (laughs) 
Uh, new Ghostbusters cast, July 22nd, 2016 release date, and Bill Murray equals Walter Peck. I don't know what's meant by that last part. I don't know who Walter Peck is. <laughs> I'm sure this is the part where Bill is like, well, of course, that's the name of this character from Ghost, Bre- Go- <laughs> Ghost, Ghost Brothers. Brothers. <laughs> that's my uh, Blues Brothers Ghostbusters fan fiction. <laughs> Uh, oh, Walter Peck is the douchebag. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, I get it. Okay. Bill Murray playing the douchebag in a Ghostbusters Well, he's always been the douchebag in yeah. Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, this is true. Um, uh, yeah, no, the, did we not talk about this last week? I feel like we must have. Because I feel like the lady Ghostbusters cast was announced before this last maybe. week. Maybe. I don't know. Hey guys, Ghostbusters all broads. You've heard about it because everyone online has been talking about how their childhood is dead now. And they can all go suck a dick. And <laughs> I'm happy that it's all ladies. Although I might cast it differently. But uh, I, I was really sad because Emma Stone was rumored to be in there. Yeah. And I really wanted Emma Stone. Yeah. I, I um, were it up to me. Mm-hmm. Right in charge of the world. Right. And I dictated how everything worked. Right. I may have cast it differently. Who would you have cast? Uh, I don't know. I would have to think about that. I will that. say this. Who yeah. is not on the cast that you'd want to be on the cast? Whoa. I don't know. All right. uh, that would require a lot of thought. So it was, let's see, it's, yeah. it's Kristen Wiig, um, yeah. Melissa McCarthy, and then two SNL alums that I'm not I, familiar here's, with. Here's the one, I don't, I don't love Kristen Wiig. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to be wrong, Conley. I know, I know, I know. We've all got our things. We've all got things that we're wrong I, about. I am... And I'm wrong about that one. <laughs> That's fine. I love you, Conley. Yeah. Uh, no, I can understand that... Uh, I think that there are some roles that suit Kristen Wiig better. Yeah. And I will say this. If Kristen Wiig is the cynical straight man, mm-hmm. I am less interested in mm-hmm. it. I almost kind of want Melissa McCarthy to kind of be more of the straight man in the situation. That would be fun. Just yeah. because she's... It's like, she's the wacky fat lady. Right. And it'd be kind of cool. be more fun. For her to be the competent badass who's like, no, guys, let's, you know, I know that's not going to happen. But when we're in charge and and dictating how everything happens, that'll be it. Uh, Let's see. Bob's Burgers is getting a cookbook illustrated by the show's creator. I did not know that. That sounds adorable. That's awesome. That sounds really cute. Burgers. Um, I've been catching up on Bob's Burgers lately because I only watch it when they put it out on Netflix. Sure, yeah. It's great. It's a great show. It's, it's all I have to say. It's, it's a great just show. charming. It's so relentlessly yeah. charming. We've talked about this on the podcast, but like Tina Belcher is one of the most important feminist so icons so in me. <laughs> yes, just because she's allowed to be a weirdo. Speaking of great shows, yes. Have you guys caught up on Parks and Rec? Yes, we have. Did you cry at episode four? Fully cried like a baby. I was watching it next to Jimmy. Uh huh. And trying as hard as I could not to start like loudly sobbing. So I was just sitting there like holding my breath with tears streaming down my cheeks so I could try and seem tough and just like, like I was sitting on his right so he couldn't see me because he's only got the one eye. So I was just like hoping that he wouldn't look over and that I could maintain my like my hardcore exterior and he wouldn't see me with just like a billion tears running down my cheeks. Oh, parts of that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. cried like, I cried like a Lot. All but my it was issues, really good. all my issues with this season of Parks and Rec have kind of been stabilized, yeah. and yeah. then some. Your issue, I didn't. Have, I, I just it just made me sad. It, yeah. it fully cried like a baby at the first episode. Yeah, to be yeah. Fair. I um, like God, you two really are sweaty. Yeah, yeah it's very weird <laughs> here, dude. Wow. Wow. Uh, <laughs> we're very shouty. <laughs> weird. So like I. 
uh, episode four of this season was maybe one of my favorite Parks and Recs episodes ever, but I cried. I cried a lot. <laughs> That's I cried people, a lot. People get locked in the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, yeah. I... It was really good. I mm-hmm. was And bawling. if I even think about it, I start to yeah. up with tears. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. It was yeah. so good. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I cried the way that I cried because I was coming off of how, like, working from, like, what, over two weeks yeah. in a row? With no breaks, yeah, mm-hmm. or whether it was because my period was going to happen, in the <laughs> all day. of the above. Fully. Yeah, why limit yourself? Well, you know what? I had none of those things, and I cried too. So <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> my shit. Up. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So yep. good. Person, I'm really excited about this final season. Yeah. The, I like the way they're shaping things yeah. to land. I love it, and uh, it's it's gonna be a, yeah, it's gonna be. I'm a really good excited time. about it. It's yeah. been really good. Definitely. Alright, so our next note is quote Ermagerd Jurger is Hermersixer. I have no fucking idea fully, who Jurger is. Who fully if I say the phrase Jurger, who do you think I'm saying? Ermagerd Jurger is Hermersixer. We're gonna have to call Bill. We're gonna call Bill. Yeah, I um, I don't Why would I know every game? I'm hopeful. <laughs> Hey, you I presume you get a bulletin. Right? Yeah. Oh, we do. We get. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But we're gonna call Bill and ask him Bill. to explain himself. I wanted to pick up. No, yeah, I too. Pick up. Hey, Hello. Bill. Are you free to talk for a second? This is Annie. Yeah. What's going on? We're recording. Boy, howdy. And we just hit. Okay. Gerald Gurr is her researcher. Yeah. Who is Gerald Gurr? <laughs> Say that out loud and you're like, well, okay. We've said it out loud like five times. We've been stuck on this for a couple of minutes now. It's Joel Gray. Who? Do you know about culture? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Joel Gray? Joel, Joel Gray? Wait, Joel, wait, but Bill, Joel Gray, like the guy who played the, the cabaret, the, 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 no shit, he's gay! I'm a fan of Oh, okay, we've been, like, going over this now backwards and Jer-grr. 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 J
All right. Of course, Joel Grey is... Well, good right. for him good for coming for out. I tried to I tried to Google search. Yeah. Joel Grey. Well, I Googled, I'm like, homosexual, J, asterisk. So I was hoping that <laughs> yeah, I could I, I find tried, something. I tried Joel Grey, and uh, Google corrected it to girl on girl. Wow. <laughs> oh, all right. Good job. <laughs> That's what I got. Good job, Google. You're like, all yeah. right, Google, later, but... Right. Um, girl on girl action is homosexual. Did you know? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Whoa. All right. Yeah, okay. Bye. Joel Grey. Well, welcome to the club, Joel Grey. Uh-huh. It was inevitable. Law and Order is doing a Gamergate episode. Did you I see I feel this? like by saying the word, we're summoning them. <laughs> like, if we say it two more times, they're all going to appear and did, start telling us about ethics and game journalism. Did you read the um, the synopsis for this? No. This is phenomenal. Is it SVU? Yes. Wait, what? It's Special Victims Unit? Yeah. Oh my god. So, yeah, the description for this episode is phenomenal, and it's exactly what you think a Law & Order episode about video game-related issues would be. Oh, this is a great All website. All right, hold on for it. This is from allthingslawandorder.blogspot.mx. <laughs> so, here are the details for a new episode of Law & Order SVU, Intimidation Game, uh, to be aired on February 11th. The virtual world becomes reality when a video game convention turns into a crime scene. Yeah! Video game developer Reina Punjabi solidifies the launch of her first game amid a stream of online insults, intimidation, and death threats from the male-dominated gaming community. When a female employee is assaulted at a gamer convention, Detective Chuola? I see. by Ice-T, investigates the crime, but Reyna refuses to delay the launch, and the cops must level up to protect her. Oh my god. Yeah! That, uh, that's amazing. It's really the worst possible thing that could happen. Yeah. So, uh, well. Yeah, so. I'm sure that's going to be a really nuanced, um, educated look. I bet you it's going to be just as respectful as the episode of whatever crime show it was did on furries. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's just It's going to be gonna really be good. It's going to be really good. I'm sure that we as gamers will not come away looking besmirched or vilified nope. or gross or abnormal. There will not be any stereotypes no. about people who play games. It's all going to be socialized, polite young people with a few outliers. Yeah. So I'm sure. <laughs> Have you guys ever watched an episode of SVU? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. No, it's going to be hot garbage with Ice Cube. <laughs> <laughs> ice Cube. Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Oh. Which one? <laughs> yeah, which, which delici- delicious ice I can't beverage? wait to hear Ice-T talk about gamer games. It's gonna be... I just can't wait. I'm so excited. <sighs> you know, we all, we all wanted video games to be part of the national dialogue. <laughs> I feel like this is a sort of monkey's paw situation, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, ugh. Yep. Oh, well. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Birch has left Gearbox to go write a Hulu series with Anthony Birch. Or Ashley Birch. Well, to go write a Hulu with series himself. with himself. He cloned him. Um, <laughs> there are two of them. That's right. He left to uh, work on a game, or excuse me, on a series. Excuse me. Uh, I think that Hulu is developing with Freddie Wong. Oh, yeah. I saw them tweeting at each other. Yeah. On the Twitters. So, yeah. Good on Anthony Birch. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I have not never played a single Anthony Birch video game. So I have no opinion one way or another. He didn't work on Tales from Borderlands. No, but he did work on Borderlands. We played a little bit of that. I have not played Borderlands 2, which is what he worked on. 
And I do not play any of the DLC. I played Borderlands too. Yeah. I enjoyed it. No. I love Hey Ashish mm-hmm. Plans. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. And seeing his evolution as an online person has been interesting. Oh, thing. yeah. So, absolutely. Good on him. I look forward to seeing what, what he does. And frankly, good on him for getting out of Texas, to be yes. honest with you. Yep. And finally, artist Jamie Hewlett said in an interview this week that, yes, Gorillas returns. What is that final note from Bill? Uh, ah-woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Mm. I'm trying to think of what gorilla song he's trying to allude to here. Is he doing, like, Feel Good Ink or something with, like, or is he, like... Or is he... I wonder if he's trying to do, um, uh, Oh Green World, which is my favorite Mine too? Song. That's my favorite Maybe he's song. trying to do... Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Ooh, ooh. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, who knows? Ooh, 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 ooh. This is just gonna be yeah. <laughs> the Boy Hattie podcast, uh, mediocre yeah. karaoke portion, <laughs> where we just do the, the choral parts. It's, that's like. what it should always be, really. <laughs> exactly. Like, I, there, I think you guys need a karaoke segment. Where <laughs> oh, God. No, we don't. Just like, uh, really drawing the listeners. Oh, boy. Well, yeah. Conley, thank you so much for joining me on this very special episode of the Boy Hattie podcast. It was a pleasure. It was indeed. And I have to say, I think, unless I'm mistaken, this is only like the first or maybe second episode without Bill. Second. He was out of town that one time. Oh, that's right. That one. This is yeah. officially the second ever yeah, yeah. Podcast podcast without Bill. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a sad thing. You know but... what you didn't do? You didn't crack open a, 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 a canned beverage. Oh. Oh, Here, right. I've got some water. Hold on. Good job. That was, that was good. That, that was, was really good. good. Yeah. I right, just to drive y'all away. Yeah. Finally, uh, this is. Oh, I'm sorry. Come on. I was just gonna say, Bill. I know Bill's gonna listen to this. Know that I'm going to just break into your house and play Grim <laughs> Fandango in front of you, and there's nothing you can do. It's, it's gonna happen. It's coming. Boy, yeah. howdy. The poor dude is playing Life is Strange. He's playing Life is Strange. I wish. You know, he's on my way home. <laughs> like. I can, just, I can put a stop to this. I mean, it's just... I mean, Grim Fandango, for anything you can say is it, it may or may not be difficult about it, at least it's charming as hell. I've been thinking about it since we were talking about it earlier and since the break. What is redeeming about Life is Strange? Because I try to say... the art. The art is good, but not good enough, because it kind of falls flat in the character models. It is. Mm-hmm. The painter... Hella good. It's hella good. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Post with that, Ella. friends, this is the Boy Hattie Podcast. Uh, I'm Annie. This has been my special guest, Conley, and Foley's in the Peanut Gallery. Um, we're howdy. We're howdy at boyhattiepodcast.com at boybowdy or <laughs> Boy Howdy Podcast on Twitter. Um, boyhattiepodcast.com is our website. You can leave a review of us if you're so inclined on iTunes. We'll talk to y'all next week. Bye. Bye. You guys are cute.